eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Illini Inquirer podcast. It has been a busy week for us at Illini Inquirer with all our football content, but also basketball starting up and fed plenty of features especially in a lot of the newcomers coming up and we just had big 10 basketball media day and uh, let's welcome in joey wagner we're going to preview wisconsin in this podcast joey but the content is a flowing with the uh, alana basketball and i know fans after two and four start with football certainly are ready for that but man we need we need a nap we, we need a we need a little reprieve, and that's why the off week couldn't come at a better time. But uh, I am so happy after what happened last year. We hadn't even played a football game at this point that we're sitting here like on October eighth, like man, this is a grind. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I like Derek Piper as much as I like anybody. I don't like seeing him at four thirty in the morning uh, <laughs> driving to Indianapolis and the what amounted to end up being like pouring rain. Just a Long day yesterday, man, and you know I'm not afraid to say the setup at Big Ten Media Day stunk, <laughs> but we got good content out of it. Uh, it's just, it's fun. It is a grind to go between football and basketball and, and understand it's a lot of work, but also, dude, this is fun, right? Like this is the basketball team that's going to be like rock stars here if they're not already soon enough. So it's, it's fun, man. It's this is what it's what makes this part of this year stressful and a good time all, all of it mixed into one yeah obviously there's different feelings for basketball right now than football and you know i talked to josh whitman got a story posted about that and i think i'm going to put that into a, another podcast this weekend i was able to talk with national media members about illinois basketball but also josh whitman about basketball how far that program's come and uh the, kind of some first year parallels between Brad Underwood and Brett Bielema were both had excruciating losses, found ways to lose close games, uh, despite having veteran teams kind of taking over veteran teams, trying to learn how to win. So I'll post that later. Um, but obviously there's a ton of excitement about basketball. And I talked with some national media members, Joey, who are in love with the, the personnel on this team and kind of frankly surprised at how quickly Brad Underwood has taken this up a notch and, and how well he's developed some of the good talent, whether it was, I would assume, getting him uh, to a top 40 pick in the NBA, uh, Kofi Coburn becoming one of the best bigs in the country when he was number 12 in his class at center, or Andre Corbello becoming one of the most flashiest, entertaining players in the country. Um, what have been your big takeaways in our first couple media kind of scrums and, and opportunities with Illinois basketball? It's literally a set scene in the office where Creed Bratton says he doesn't give an F about nothing. I mean, honestly, they, they know where they're at. 
they know that they still have a ways to go, right? I mean, and Brad has said this before, they haven't done anything uh, to this point. I mean, the, the furthest they've gone is the second round of the NCAA tournament, but they there's just a confidence about them. And I, I don't, I think it's both confidence they have in the team, which they should have. And I think it's just confidence in what it is, right? Like the, the, the fundamental parts of this program that, that Brad and Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams and Jeff Alexander, and my God, there's not many holdovers, Tyler Underwood from those first parts of that was installed. Just, they're just confident in what, what it is, how it was built, what, what they're doing. And then of course, when you put in a a second team, all American coming back and, and probably one of the three best players in college basketball and Andre Curbelo, who's like, getting so much buzz now like he was at media day obviously right but i still think in december or in january people are going to be like holy crap who's this dude right like yeah nationally right like yeah like i talked with some of these national guys and they're like i thought i was kind of in early on andre curbelo and you know jeff goodman i talked to had him as a first team all-american or uh mike decorsi from the sporting news said i thought like i was unique in that i thought he was an all big 10 first teamer and everyone loves him. It's because he's so entertaining. He's so good. He played so well down the stretch. I think people see he's different. Um, and I think people know about him regionally. But I don't know if other Big Ten writers with the way they voted are treating him like he's that first team all Big Ten guy. Like I think he can be maybe a second team at the end of the year. I don't know. But he's a top 10 player in the Big Ten. And nationally, uh, I think some guys know that, but I don't know if everyone knows it. Because let's be honest, Joey, Brad Underwood can say that uh, we haven't accomplished enough yet, or maybe he hasn't soaked in everything that he's accomplished so far. They won a Big Ten tournament championship. They won 16 Big Ten games. They've won 29 Big Ten games over the last two years. They're one of the best teams in the country right now. And to to get back uh, an All-American for a junior year to get back Andre Curbelo and, and then to have the benefit of getting Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams back. And I know you're going to do a story on those two, probably underrated with Big Ten writers, national writers, because that just gives you a foundation. I know the buzzword culture is used too often, but it is invaluable to have those guys, whether it's Kofi, DeMonte, Trent, Jacob Grandison, Guys who have been there and been through this and know the work ethic it takes to win, that's what Illinois missed after D. Brown left, right? So to be able to have extra years of Io, extra years of Kofi, uh, and extra years of Trent DeMonte, I think is really invaluable for Brad continuing this momentum. I think if you look at Trent and DeMonte, everything you said is 100% true, right? I mean, just it's what Brad, he, he talked about them being the underbelly of the program and all of this, how much they mean. But think about like trickle it down a little bit. And I know these freshmen were four stars, right? I understand that. And I, I think they're good players and they're going to be good players. But Brad doesn't have to lean on them mm-hmm. this year. And, and that is so – and maybe one or two breaks into the rotation. I don't know. It's August or October 8th. I have no idea what's going to happen in a month or two months. But to be able to say, okay, we're going to put a 22-year-old out there and not an 18-year-old out there mm-hmm. – that, that's a very large trickle-down effect for this program. And that's – without those two, now you're suddenly – the conversation we're having is, okay, they've got two stars. And, oh, hey, what about Coleman Hawkins? Or what about Austin Hutcherson? And then what freshman steps up? Who, who's it going to be? 
And now that question is what freshman steps up and adds to what we think they're going to be. And that it just changes the narrative, changes the tenor around what it is. And that's good news for a team that very much plans on dancing for a while. Yeah. And that's not to ignore some questions about this team, right? If we're talking about, like, I have no doubt this is going to be one of the best teams in the big 10, like like four for me is like five. If things don't go exactly right. Of course, that's taking out some significant injury. Right. Um, but I just think that the floor of this team is so high with a guy like Kofi, especially. I just think he's worth like a plus six or seven war when it comes to him returning. I just think he's the great equalizer. Like I think Andre is the exciting guy and is definitely a floor leader. And he's going to have to take over closer responsibilities in a different kind of role as a distributor, right? Um, than, than Io, who's a scorer at the end of games. So that's a big question. But like Kofi is the great equalizer when you're going up against Purdue and they're great big mans or uh, fan favorite Hunter Dickinson in Michigan. Like Hunter's a great player, but Kofi can wipe him out. We've seen that. And I don't know if he'll have quite as dominant a performance against Hunter Dickinson, but when you can go into a game and think your big man is a huge advantage or completely wipes out the other guy uh, on the other team in a conference full of great bigs, uh, that's just an invaluable piece of the puzzle. But then Joey, we also have two pieces that are a couple pieces that are X factors with this team. And that includes Alfonso Plummer, who I, I don't think is as complete of a player as Adam Miller will be this year. I think Adam Miller is going to have a really good year at LSU. He's really good defensively. And I, I think, <laughs> and I think he'll take another step offensively. Listen, I think he's really good. And I think Illinois would have been better if, if Adam Miller comes back, but Alfonso Plummer gives them another shooter where they're going to get out and run. They're going to shoot a bunch of threes. This year, when you have a lineup that could include Andre Curbelo, Trent Frazier, um, Plummer, Grandison, right, Hutcherson, whatever it is, I have some defensive questions about that group, um, and, and that's why it'll be interesting to see these rotations. But then Coleman Hawkins and Omar Payne, with Kofi back, become uh, kind of an embarrassment of riches potentially in the front court, along with Jacob Grandison and Demonte Williams where you have some flexibility, you can play different ways. And I do think they'll go through some early figuring it out struggles. They could drop a game, Joey, that, that we don't expect because Brad Adam was trying to figure out who's the best groups to play together. Um, but I do think it's great to have a bunch of options where you can go so many different ways. Yeah, and we're talking about this Illinois team as highly as we are, justifiably so, right? Hey, two of us have an office mug. Um, but... Who you got? The the boom roasted here. I got just Dwight Bears beats. That'll start the laugh. Gary's so mad here in that interruption. Um, (laughs) So we're we're talking about this team, and we should for as high as they are, but they lost one of the best players in program history, right? Mm -hmm. Iodesumu, and Adam Miller, who was really stinking good as a freshman. And I know maybe fans have sour grapes over the Adam Miller. Uh, experience and transfer the dude was going to help the team this year in a pretty meaningful way like these so we're looking at this I, I just want to put that out there in the context of like whoa there's some talent on this team when when the expectations are where they are but also those are pretty significant losses I, I mean they just are so it, it's really this roster there's a lot that we know but exactly to what you said the unknowns or I guess moderately unknowns like i think we have a pretty good idea of what we think jacob grandison and austin hutcherson could be and then of course you omar Payne. there's just a lot there a lot that we think could be good 
but how is it going to all play in? And then one of the bigger questions Derek and I talked about on the way to Indianapolis and you and I talked about when we were there, and we asked Brad, and I, I don't know that I completely – just because we don't know, especially on Hutcherson, that I completely buy right now is who's the backup point guard. Yeah. Right? I mean, I do think we've seen Trent Frazier with that ability. I think Austin Hutcherson could be that. But remember, last year it was like, go, Andre, go, go, go. And he he really was a jet engine for them at times. So there are – now we're getting really deep in the woods Yeah, no, but bit, I, right? I, th- I think this is a good thing because, like, we're talking about all the great things, and I think that gives them such a high floor and a high ceiling. I think some of the, the, the smaller nitty-gritty things are, how does this group defend? Right, like, yeah. do are they as good defensively? I think Kofi gives you a high floor defensively, and I think this is a, I think it's time to to talk about this staff and Brad Underwood, and I think Jeff Alexander clear has been a part of this. And I think we know Chester Frazier and Tim Anderson know basketball pretty well. They are really good development guys, and, and you got a lot of guys behind the scenes still, uh, like Neil Ganta, right? Now, Tyler Underwood is back with this group that I think have been a part of some of these big changes that they've made and adjustments to their personnel where I, I think they'll figure it out at some point. But I do think in the early going, they got some things to, to, to work through. And one of those would be, who's your secondary creator, right? Because we know Andre Corbello is going to be on the court 30-plus minutes. Those 10 other minutes... Sure, I'm not worried about who's going to bring the ball up the court, right? right? Like, I think we know Trent Frazier is capable of doing that. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's a fine ball handler. Like, Alfonso Plummer or Austin Hutcherson can do that. To me, it's who creates for others, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where you're going to have to run more sets. You're going to have a lot of shooters on the court if it's Trent Frazier, Austin Hutcherson, um, you know, Alfonso Plummer, Jacob Grandison, Demonte Williams, right? But who's going to create? And I wonder, is it more of somebody at the elbow, because Jacob Grandison's a heck of a passer. Coleman Hawkins can pass pretty well. The other guy that needs to be a much better passer is Kofi Coburn, right? Because you get the ball to Kofi, people are collapsing on him, right? And that's a huge weakness for Kofi and why the NBA wanted him to go back is to see him become a better passer. Because I, I don't mind when Kofi's a black hole sometimes because who's stopping him, right? The gravitational force of Kofi, uh, he's going to get the ball in the hoop. But at some points, he does need to pass the ball. And I think Loyola took advantage of that uh, at times. And you know, I think teams, that's what that's what they'll try to do, uh, is just try to make sure Kofi can't pass it to somebody else or, or beat you one-on-one, double-team him, uh, and then he could force up a bad shot or you get him to the free-throw line. Like th- Those are the little things that, that this team's going to have to figure out. You know, and here's something I, I've been thinking about a little bit, and I don't know how much merit there is to as much thought as I've put into it here is, we think Andre Corbello is going to be good. Like, he was very flashy last year. He, he was very – I mean, there were times that he was just really, really, really good last year. But we're also kind of talking about a pretty significant freshman to sophomore step and what we think he's going to be. I mean, I, I think there's every bit of reason to believe he's going to take that step, and I'd, I'd probably be more shocked if he did not take that step. But th- is that not a large step? I and mean, we're yeah. talking about a guy who was a six-man last year and a good one at that. And now you have people, and again, I understand it. I, I probably lean towards agree with them talking about this dude being a first team or second team All America. Like that is a significant step forward. We're, we're projecting the Cassius leap, right? I mean, that, that's kind of who I've compared him to. He's like Derek uses the Tony Parker, but in Big Ten sense, I think they're different players, but like similar come in, make an impact off the bench, and then the next year kind of take over the team. 
Cash just went from 6.7 points, 5.2 assists, kind of similar to Andre. Andre scored a little bit more, uh, didn't have as many assists. Then the next year, 12.6, 6.9 assists. That sound, I mean, that sounds about right for Andre Curbelo, right? I, maybe yeah. he can score a little bit more. Maybe the assists are one lower or whatever it is. But I can see that the difference is Cassius Winston shot 50% from three his sophomore year. And that's, that's uh, can Andre get to 30? Can, can, can Andre be more Tracy Abrams than Jalen Tate from three? That's what they need. Yeah, and I'd be curious to look at some of like how his three pointers came about. Were they catch and shoot? You know, how did that? I need to look into that a little bit more here. But Cash is—I actually was frantically looking for paper and pen to write that down when I inevitably start writing about <laughs> Andre Carmelo here. But yeah, that, it's a really good comp. And again, I—I I don't want anyone to hear this and think, "Oh, they don't think Carmelo is going to make the league." I do think that I voted him first team preseason the, All Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, but I also think like. If you're on the outside, like let's say you're in Maine, right? And you're like, oh boy, really people expecting him to make this kind of, that's a significant leap. And I just think we have to address that. But all the reasons to be excited about this team very much exist. And now now you get into the woods a little bit. Who's going to be the X factor? Is there going to be Hutcherson? Is it going to be Hawkins? Is it going to be Bolt? Can Omar Payne step forward? There's a lot of fun questions there. And I think that'll make for a couple fun exhibition games i think as you get into the early part of the season some of those details and nuggets will will come out and, and i can't wait for the benjamins bossmans verdonk uh i can't wait for that 12 point game oh i like to imagine him tearing the whole rim off the sanction <laughs> is, is kind of where i land here uh I mean, we saw him to be fair he still is a very large human being yes. <laughs> like, at some point I, I do think like if basketball doesn't pan out can Brett Bielma go across the street? I don't even know where you use this. Did you use him as like a tight end? Oh. I, can we project him? Where, where, where do you project him on the football He'd be field? a tight end or, oh, or, or an edge rusher. I, I don't know if he's got the athleticism for an edge rusher, but yeah, six foot eight, 235, 240 pounds. I'd, I'd line him up, sit him next to Moses Akpala coming off the, the bus, man. That's all you need. <laughs> enforcers yeah oh that'd be great uh were you, were you shocked really at all? Though, yeah. were you shocked at all by anything in the big 10 media poll that came out Derek and i went over our results we both had illinois uh and, and maybe scott Ritchie and i were being homers uh, but uh dylan burkhardt who covers michigan had illinois first as well and i talked with goodman had him second behind purdue and that those are the two teams i was deciding between michigan number one with 13 first place votes purdue number two 12 first place votes Illinois, number three, just slightly ahead of Ohio State, which I don't mind because, like, if Ohio State didn't lose Dwayne Washington, I might have had them two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, anything surprise you about that top four that is clearly the top four? No, I, I mean, could Illinois have gotten more than three first place votes? I, I think that's reasonable, right? To think that, like, only three people really, but again, like we just talked about, look at what they lost. And if you're on the outside looking in, you think they lost Io, who was really, really stinking good. And they lost Adam Miller, who they're missing some. Georgie. Georgie. I mean, yeah. outsiders might think that, you know, Georgie sure. was a, a big loss for, and they might not know that Omar Payne. Now that's our job to figure out like what they have coming in. But yeah, like I, I don't mind that people wouldn't have Illinois first. Uh, I was more surprised that Purdue was not picked to finish first. I, I get the Michigan talent, but they lost a ton. I mean, you talk about a lottery pick in Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, uh, you know, is, is a high draft pick. Their point guard, Mike Smith, was phenomenal. And I know they got Devontae Jones in, who should be a big impact. Eli Brooks, they really like, but 
is Eli Brooks any better than Trent Frazier? Who's, who's coming back? You know what I mean? Like, so Hunter Dickinson's great. That program has so much talent, so much five stars coming in. I wouldn't want them in March, right? I, I wouldn't want to play them in March. But over 20 Big Ten games, I think Purdue or Illinois are a likelier, likelier team to get 15-plus wins. You know, we're talking about, like, how significant we are projecting the Andre Corbello jump to be. Jaden Ivey is in a very similar situation, right? Like the, I'm all aboard that train, though. I know, and you should be. And again, when I say this, I'm not saying it like, oh, geez, what a foolish thing to think. I just, man, like that, that's just part of, per- it's weird because we got in this habit of one and done where it's like, you almost forget what that leap looks like year over year. Um, here in Champaign, obviously, we've seen it with uh, Kofi and Io, and all of that's reasonable. But yeah, at Purdue, I, I just, I was a little surprised, I guess, that they weren't number one because it feels like they've been, kind of the talk of the conference basketball wise uh, for what people project them to be. And obviously Matt Painter is a brilliant genius, right? I mean, he's just a really good coach. So they've got a lot of the pieces. I I know there are some, some ruffle or feathers ruffled a little bit. People had Illinois ranked sixth, right? It was one of them fifth or sixth. It's just probably low. Let's just objectively call that what it is. Illinois should not be below Maryland or Michigan state or Indiana. Like I, no. I, I wouldn't understand that. Um, let's get into that group. Uh, like Ohio State, again, I, I think I was considering them above Michigan. Like I, I think they're really good, and I, I think EJ Odell is great. Uh, but uh, Maryland, Michigan State, Indiana was my next tier, Joey. Uh, I think I had Maryland, Indiana, Michigan State, but uh, that sounds right. And, and then it's Rutgers, Iowa, Wisconsin. I think teams that are going to be fighting for an NCAA tournament but might only be one bid, teams that lost a lot from last season. I'd probably have Steve Peichel and Rutgers. I think I had them eight and Wisconsin nine. Like, Iowa's got a lot to replace. Bohannon's back. Keegan Murray's back. But Frederick's gone. Wieskamp's gone. Garza's gone. I I think I had them pretty clearly number 10 in, in mine, even though I think they're going to be a tough out on some nights. Yeah, I agree with all that. Quickly about Ohio State, like we talk about like these regional bubbles we find ourselves in, right? And I know in Champaign, this is maybe against the law to say, are people talking about EJ Liddell enough? I mean, seriously, this dude is really, really good. He was my number. Just, he was my number two pick in all Big Ten. I had, I had Kofi Liddell, Hunter Dickinson. I just feel like you hear, and again, maybe it's just because of how we consume. And, and just being so dialed into what we are doing every day. Well, I just don't feel like I hear enough about EJ Liddell. Maybe I'm not going to the right places, which is entirely likely because you don't have a lot of time sometimes to dive into all of that. But man, he is that, he's a guy that is similar to Kobe that he raises the floor in a really meaningful way. He's going to be a heck of a second round value, isn't he? Next year, like some, some NBA team takes him second round. I think they're getting a, a heck of a value. Uh, Nebraska 11th, I, I think. I could have considered them uh, 10th. They got some talent. Just they're replacing, I think, Delano Banton leaving uh, maybe a little bit earlier than we thought, though he was a second-round pick. Uh, hurt them a little bit. And then you get Northwestern, Penn State, Minnesota. It's just not enough talent there and, and too much to overcome. So I wasn't shocked by a lot of this. I was surprised Michigan uh, got the most first-place votes. And I thought Illinois would have gotten some of those. I thought Purdue was going to win, uh, yeah. be, be the the favorite coming in. Um, just because I, 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 replacing Io, I think, outsiders means a lot. And, and it is. And maybe we aren't valuing that enough, but I think we know they, they got another star guard waiting in the wings. 
Yeah, again, I, I understand why you would look at that from the outside and say, oh, boy, losing Io because, yeah, man, like the same reason we were thinking, like, but, but like how good this oh, could be when he came back. Oh, boy, they're losing Franz and Livers and Mike Smith, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and Shawnee, Shawnee Brown, like four of the top five players, I think. Yeah, that's that a great point. Yeah. So it's, I, it's, it's wild. Real quickly, I, I want to circle back to media day if we can. Yes. Did you hear what Hunter Dickinson said? <laughs> it took us this long to figure it out. I love it. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy no. the heck out of Hunter Dickinson. Yes. I love that he is willing, and he seems like he likes it. He is relishing being kind of this bad boy. And you know what the, the other opposite of it is? Illinois players aren't afraid to do it with Michigan or Iowa. I love it. Like Io coming out last year or two years ago and saying, we don't like them. We respect them, but we don't like them. Like we want to beat them. Thank you. Bring some of this old school. Like it's okay. Like PR people, you don't have to just not say anything. Like if, as long as you're not disrespectful, as long as you say, Hey, Illinois is good, but we don't like them. We want to beat them. They're our rival. Like I love that. I love that he's prodding Illinois fans. Cause you know what? That's going to be must-see TV on January 14th and then, what, February 27th when they go to Ann Arbor. That's great for college basketball. It's great for those programs. And it's going to sell tickets so you can thank Hunter Dickinson for that. Not that I know Illinois Michigan didn't need any more uh, prodding here, but it just makes it better. It makes it fun. Rivalries are here. And as long as you're not being really, really disrespectful, which this is all in fun, right? I think Hunter's just having fun with all of this. Bring it on. This is good for college sports. 100%. Thank you, Hunter Dickinson. That was – it is fun, man. Like, we talked about so – like, the big thing is when the one and done really swept through everything. And obviously, it's still sweeping through, right? Great point. But it was like, oh, the rivalries aren't there. Like, you know, you don't – you only see them for a year and then they're gone. And that's true. But now when players come back, dude, that is so fun. Say what you mean, man. It is – so painfully boring for us to sit in interviews and hear people say like, oh, you know, we got to rebound better and probably should make some free. That's freaking boring. It's so boring. Yeah. Well, yeah. like EJ Liddell, come out and say it. Come come out and say like, yeah, yeah I, I get up to play Illinois. Look at my stats. Can you tell that like there's a little bit more edge when I play my, my home state team that I was still learning Brad Underwood's name, <laughs> like, you know, like still building a relationship. Go for it. Like if you like, yes. why not? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I I hope it continues. Great point. The Big Ten has a lot of veterans, right? And I know college basketball does, but think of all the guys that are coming back that just maybe five ten years ago would have left. Like Hunter Dickinson would have left like, like a couple years ago. Would have felt like and been like B.J. Mullins. You see him for one year, but do you really remember him all that much? No, Hunter Dickinson is memorable going into a year two. Io DeSumo the same way. Kofi Coburn the same way. So I, I think that's great uh, for college athletics to get these guys back, to have these rivalries. EJ Liddell, to be a guy you hated playing against. Why do people hate Aaron Kraft? Because you kept playing him over and over again, and he kept winning, right? And that's the other part of this. Illinois doesn't tick people off unless they're winning. And that's what's fantastic. Like this Iowa-Illinois thing, Give me four more of those games. I wish we had four more with Garza and Io DeSumo. Not going to be quite the same, but there's an edge in those games. Like Michigan this year in those two games, and hopefully we get another one in the Big Ten tournament. It's going to be so much fun. So uh, kudos to Illinois for for ruffling some feathers because they're good now. Yeah, man. It's the same. Brad Davison's the guy Illinois fans freaking hate. 
because they've seen him every year for four years. You can go back to some of these Duke, you can call them villains, right? Grayson Allen, uh, J.J. Redick. Because they terrorize you once or twice a year for four years, and you hate to see it, and it's fun. And say what you mean, man. We got a nice dose of that yesterday, I thought, outside of the podium, you know, prepared statements, really. And uh, when you get to these these one-on-ones, which were kind of poorly set up this year, just say what you mean, man. Like Andre Corbello, what a great quote. I'm not afraid to say we're going to be better than last year. Don't be afraid to say that, man. Put it out there. If that's what you mean, if that's what you feel, heck yeah, that's fun. That I mean, that makes it so you know, we weren't driving back yesterday or even after a, or it really could have been probably put together better. We still had moments of that because it's like, oh, people said what they thought they were going to say. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a good time. And it's something we've gotten a little further away from that, especially in college athletics where you're prepped on, hey, they're going to ask you this. And then they do it in the NFL, too. Just say what you want to say, man. Yeah. Have a good time with it. If you ruffle some feathers along the way, good. It's going to be fun. Maybe you're maybe Demonte Williams is face to face with somebody again this year because tensions are high. And yeah. guess what? People love it. They love it. It's a blast. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, talk a little Illinois football preview. Saturday's homecoming game against Wisconsin. Can Illinois pull off a second straight home upset of the Badgers? We'll talk about that next on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Joey Wagner, we have an Illinois football game Saturday homecoming. Man, we've had a lot of home games uh, here, and it's been seven straight weeks with an Illinois football game. And Illinois coming off a win. They started October off right. Uh, Now it's an opportunity to potentially make a statement after a couple really heartbreaking Big Ten losses to Maryland and Purdue last month. You get a little bit of a wounded, a little bit of a vulnerable Wisconsin team that is 1-3, 0-2 in the Big Ten. Illinois actually above Wisconsin in the Big Ten standings right now, but I think there's a qualifier. The three losses are to Notre Dame, uh, are to Michigan, right? Like They have three ranked losses. Penn State is the other one. So they have had the toughest schedule in the country so far, and their defense remains really, really good. Jim Leonard is is too good to be a defensive coordinator in college football, and Wisconsin is lucky to still have him. Uh, but the offense, like Illinois, has been awful, and they've actually been worse than Illinois because they turn the ball over a lot. So just initial reactions, what do you think uh, of the Illinois-Wisconsin matchup? Man, and our previews and picks, which are out now, I really came close. I, and I don't know why. It's one of those stupid gut feelings that you have. You're like, oh, maybe they do this. Because Wisconsin's offense just doesn't 
impress me even at all right now. They don't have that offensive line that they've had forever that you think, I don't know, like Owen Carney's playing pretty well. The defensive line, could they maybe wreck some havoc? Can the offense make plays? And that's where I stopped. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, that's just where I stopped. And the thing Illinois does best is run the football. It turns out no one can do that against Wisconsin. Now, I think Brett Bielma is going to try to shoehorn this into the game plan because, well, you haven't really passed at all effectively or well or efficiently or anything that would qualify as good. You've not been able to do that. So I think your best thing is, good Lord, can we find something on the ground here? And the answer is probably no, or at least not in any way that is efficient, especially from a yards per carry standpoint. I mean, you can ask Michigan about that. It took them 44 to get to 112. And Michigan can run the ball pretty well. Yeah. Like if you look at that, you're like oh boy, that that's. Let's just that's say a, Michigan's a better rushing attack, right? Yeah. Uh, with and, and Blake Corms probably faster than Chase Brown, right? Like they probably have a better running back room and definitely uh, a better offensive line, better passing attack, and they still struggle to get yards. And think of Notre Dame that came into this year, Joey, with one of the best running back duos in the country, and Kyron Williams and uh, Chris Tyree. They had three rushing yards on 32 carries. Now, I'm sure sacks are a part of that, but still, like that group can't get going against this Wisconsin defense. Like a lot of these points that Wisconsin is giving up are interception returns for touchdowns or special teams touchdowns. Yeah, I think it was like 39 yards before you factor in the sacks for Notre Dame, and which is not still not very good at all. But you look at that, and I look at that as a little bit of a blueprint, right? Because the Notre Dame passing attack, though it's better than Illinois, I would never argue otherwise, still doesn't really scare you right. that much. And I'm sure Jim Leonard's heart's beating out of his chest out of excitement. He's like, we can just put everybody in the box and make them make a throw. See you there. Can't wait, right? I mean, that that's, should be exciting for a defensive coordinator to know that you do the thing well, to defend the thing well that they do well. And Brandon Peters has to make throws. He doesn't have to like six or seven shot plays. I don't think that's going to happen. But you got to like third and eight, you got to move the chains, dude. You got to make a pass that moves the chains, keeps this thing moving a little bit. And not to keep your defense off the field. Frankly, that's a better matchup, right? The Illinois defense versus Wisconsin offense. But you've just got to, you've got to sustain something. You've got to get yourself down, at least for James McCourt to get somewhere close i do have this alternative universe where it's like seven o'clock i don't even know if he goes to cams but the stone cold music hits and he walks into cams fresh off another walk off it's probably not going to happen but i like to imagine that as a possibility going into this but man dude this is a tough task for illinois and we're going to learn we don't have much more to learn about brandon peters that's silly to say but we're going to what's brett going to do if this passing attack struggles and you can't run the ball do you try to find a spark with Art Sikowski, yeah. right? I mean, do you go that route? I think Wisconsin is better than their record, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're better than one and three. I, I, I think they'll probably lose two or three more games. Like, that would be the most. I think they lose the rest of the way. Like, I don't see this team going five and seven. No. They're going to be a bowl team, and I think towards the end of the year, they could be second or third, right, in the Big Ten West. I think Iowa is clearly the top team there. Um, but they're vulnerable. Like, this is the worst Wisconsin team we've seen in a while, and uh, for Illinois, that's a great thing because they've lost 10 of 11. Um, their offense is atrocious. Graham Mertz, the stat I got on Graham Mertz <laughs> is, is just ridiculous, okay? 
it's the Illinois game last year, 20 of 21 for 248 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. Since then, Mertz 55.7% completion percentage. Illinois would love that, by the way. For 1,671 yards, that's under six yards per attempt, which is bad. Six touchdowns, 12 interceptions, okay? And he has been awful, just awful since that that game. And I think Wisconsin would like to have Jack Cone back, right? They, they saw that uh, probably head-to-head. He left last week's game with an injury, but he's expected back. He's practicing this week. And just like Illinois, it seems like they have no faith in their backup options because they should uh, probably make a change if they did. The other part of this is the Wisconsin offensive players, the receivers and tight ends, have kind of had career days with you. Uh, Jake Ferguson, in three games against Illinois, 15 receptions, 211 yards, five touchdowns. Five of his 10 career touchdowns are against Illinois. Um, Joey, what do you like to say about Jake Ferguson? He should probably give Lovey half of his check when he goes (laughs) pro, right? I mean, I I was going to say, over under three and a half, versus Illinois highlights when this guy gets drafted. <laughs> it depends on how high he gets drafted. How many highlights are there? Um, how many highlights are there? Oh god. I would say a- I would say 50% of the highlights are against Illinois. Like he's a good I, player otherwise, but he's a yeah. great player against Illinois. I I just remember thinking driving back from Madison, I guess the next day we got a hotel that night. They yep. kicked us out of the press box like 13 seconds after the game ended. Uh, to save COVID or something. So they, uh, do you remember? He's like the toast of college football, yeah. right? Like it was like, holy crap, Wisconsin's finally got a quarterback. Oh, sweet God, this is this is the guy. And whoo, and then you just see highlights of all the Illinois defenders trying to keep up with the wide open Wisconsin skill players after Graham Mertz has thrown it all over the yard. You thought, dang, dude, like this guy, if Wisconsin has a quarterback to go with everything <laughs> else, Good night. See you later. You know, enjoy Indianapolis in November. But that just hasn't happened. And, and I, I will say I like that Aaron Henry, this this coaching staff has really done a good job of being, hey, the past, you know, that was that was one thing, at least to the media. We don't know what happens in the Smith Center, but at least to us it was, yeah, I wasn't here, man. I don't know. That was you know, all I know about what's going forward, the whole thing. Aaron Henry was like, nah, man, I reminded, I wanted to make sure that they knew what happened. And now I don't think he's like screaming Graham Mertz's name every time in practice where a play breaks down. I, I don't think it comes to 2021, that, 2021, <laughs> just screaming it. In the I, Smith Center. I do think it's, it's pretty telling that he made sure to bring that up at least once, right? We, yeah. we know at least once. So use that, man. I mean, I don't know how much it's, it might help you because Graham Mertz has just really turned out to not be very good in the Illinois defense has really found itself in the last three weeks. I think as much as we understandably criticize the offense, I guess more notably the passing game, right? The defense has really taken a very significant step forward. And we were coming back from Charlottesville, Jeremy. I know I've said this probably on here before. We were like, would you ever run against Illinois again? Not because Illinois was so stout, because like you get free yards in the air in that game against Virginia. And Ryan Walters, we've we thrown as many flowers as him as, as, as we could. Just an impressive turnaround for this yeah. group. And that's what gives me a little bit – who would have ever thought, man? Who, who would have thought three years ago, two years ago, last year, where you would say the matchup you prefer is to have the Illinois defense against this Wisconsin offense? Who would have thought that? Seriously. Well, and here's here's why you can have some hope, right, going into this game. Uh, Illinois opened as eight-point 
underdogs, now 11-point underdogs. I think that's a better line. Like I, I think that's the more realistic line. Um, because your, your path to success, you did two years ago, right? Your path to success, Wisconsin has struggled. Like, this has been the path to beating Wisconsin the last couple years, is they turn the ball over. Unlike previous Wisconsin teams, they've lost nine of their last, they lost 10 of their last 19 games. They're nine and 10 over their last 19 games, starting with that Illinois loss. And they turn the ball over a lot and their offense just doesn't put up a lot of points. They're just not a very explosive offense. Like this offensive line is not very good. I think Illinois might have the offensive line edge, both in pass protection and run blocking. Like Wisconsin is awful protecting Graham Mertz this year, and he is awful uh, throwing under pressure. And then their rushing attack is is not any better than Illinois' right now. So that's where, like, if you get takeaways, right? Wisconsin, the last, in their three losses, 11-2 to two turnover discrepancy. They've turned the ball over 11 times and have only gotten two takeaways. Illinois, the last couple games, Joey, six takeaways to two turnovers for them. So that's been why they've been in games and had a chance despite their offense stinking. And let's go back to that Wisconsin game two years ago is Brandon Peters was awful for three and a half quarters. He had one or two great drives, three great throws that he made. They made plays and got into, they got touchdown. Was that to Josh and Matt Torbebe, right? And then they had Donnie, the Donnie Navarro game, the breakout. Yeah. Right? He, you ran down the field. Yeah, so they had two big plays that way, and then he made a couple a throw to Casey Washington, I believe one to Daniel Barker, big conversions. That's what they need. Like I'm not expecting Brandon Peters to outplay Graham Mertz, but can he have fewer turnovers than Graham Mertz? That's going to be key for the defense is to get some takeaways from Mertz. Uh, and I think a big reason why Brandon Peters is playing because he doesn't turn the ball over because we know Art Sikowski will. Uh, but can he make a few key third down conversions? Can he make one or two big plays? We're not asking for for four touchdowns, right? But can you convert that one pass to Deuce Spant or to Carlos Sandy, right? Or that big third down down the, the seam to Daniel Barker or Luke Ford? Those are the throws that have to be made, that prolong drives, that keep Wisconsin off the field. And then your defense is going to have to get some takeaways. I think the defense has shown enough that you can be confident they're going to give the offense a chance. So maybe Wisconsin breaks out with 31 points or 30-plus points this week, but I don't think they're very good. And I think Ryan Walter's crew has at least shown enough consistency now that we can think they're going to hold this in the 20s, right? And I think they're going to give them a chance. It's does Brandon Peters and the offense make enough plays uh, to give them a chance to win at the end of games? What I – remember Monday, remember, it was like three days ago, the Monday press conference, both Brett Bielema and Tony Peterson said something interesting that I I kind of am coming back to is when we talked about those deep plays, it was, hey, we might tweak something in practice, but I don't know what that something is. And I wish I had asked, and I certainly will if they can hit on them. But what is that, right? Like, is that something where you don't need a lot of them, dude? You just don't. You need one or two to at least make Jim Leonard get some dudes out of the box. Like you need that so much against a team that stops a run and is going to be dedicated to encouraging you to pass the ball. You, you've just got to hit a couple of those. So what are those tweaks? I don't even, I'm not that football savvy. I don't know what that could be. Well, talking with Jay Lehman earlier in the week, um, and, and I highly encourage, if you don't have VIP membership, sign up for it to, to get uh, Jay's insight. Just going over some of the film, like some of the deep throws, 
Brent is just not leading his guy to, to the wide open space, right? He's kind of throwing it behind a guy where he's got to kind of go to the middle of the field, and that allows uh, defenders to kind of catch up. He needs to lead these guys, and he's not doing that right now. So I don't know what that tweak is in practice, right? Like, yeah, how do you set that up to where it's like, hey, Brandon, throw there. Like, you can't throw up the middle or to the side. And we saw Art Sikowski do that with Deuce Span on one. He was streaking down the field and he threw to the other side instead of leading him to the open part of the field and kind of giving his ch- guy a chance to, to make the catch. So I don't know. Like, he was close. Like, there were some... I give Tony Peterson a lot of credit. I think the last couple of weeks he's opened things up. I think he's adjusted to his personnel. And against Charlotte especially, I thought Tony Peterson had a good game against a obviously a, a worse opponent, but there were plenty of opportunities. Like Illinois should have scored 38 or 45 points, and, and the quarterback just missed the plays. I've said this theory a lot, and we should also mention Wisconsin doesn't record a lot of takeaways defensively. Yeah. I mean, they just don't do that. And I, I've, I'm not reporting this theory, but it's something I keep coming back to because that is I, – I, and we talked about this in the postgame pod for Charlotte. I think part of the thing they really like about Brandon Peters is, is the fact that he does not really turn the ball over. Which, which he's done his entire day. career. Like Illinois, like that is one thing yes. he's done incredibly well outside of the one play against Maryland where they really couldn't afford it. Like yeah, yeah. he's done incredibly well taking care of the ball, but he also has just not made plays. And so I, I think what their line, again, this is just my theory, what their logic is, is our running game is going to give us enough bias and time. Our defense is going to keep us in games. And eventually he's going to hit. Like that is the only thing I can think about. And I'm not projecting it happens against Wisconsin, but you saw it get a little closer last week. And maybe that was good and bad for people who want to see Art Sikowski. Good that it, you didn't hit it. And, and that's more reason to go to Art or bad because – Last week was about as close as I can recall some of those shot plays coming to fruition from Brandon Peters. So eventually my guess is they think it's going to happen. I mean, that's about some of the only reason, but the reason reason I can't predict a win is because I haven't seen it for seven starts. It's had seven starts. I guess early Iowa game, Brandon had a fantastic first quarter. But those five quarters of – the Nebraska game and the Iowa game is the last time we really saw Brandon make a bunch of plays. Now, I did like last week using his legs. I, I thought that was good. But there were just reads you got to make, and you have to make these throws. You can't hesitate. you got to be confident. And if Brandon turns it over because his wide rec- it goes off his wide receiver's hands or his receiver doesn't turn around in time, that's not on him. Like he, I think he's got to realize that. Like I got to do my job, and I got to trust. Even if they haven't earned that trust, I got to trust that my tight ends and wide receivers are going to make the play if I put the ball in the right spot. Maybe, maybe outsiders blame blame us, and that's on us to to figure that out, right? As media members, uh, what happened that play? What went wrong? And it's why I like having Jay Layman to help us through those things. But he's got he's got to trust that those guys are going to do their jobs. Because otherwise he can't do his job. And in the last couple of weeks, he has not. I think it's it's becoming clear to me, and we haven't talked to Brandon since before the Nebraska game, I'd love uh, which I understand he was hurt for some stretches. It's becoming clear to me that Casey is the guy he might trust the most, yeah. Casey Washington. And I understand why. I mean, in those little eight-yard, nine-yard routes where he doesn't have to you know, really beat a cornerback per se down the field. He's pretty stable, right? He's a strong kid. He's got nice hands. He can get over there and, and make it. He's a tough kid. 
But outside of that, I do wonder who he does, who, who does he trust? And isn't that the difference with art? Like when we saw art in the game, like he had, like, he had maybe too much trust at times in his receivers. <laughs> and, and Hey, let's be honest. Like art puts the ball in danger. Uh, and he missed some real throws that he needed to make, especially against UTSA uh, to win that game. But he, he kind of just give those guys a chance. Like he'd just be like, Hey, let's make a play. Um, and he's certainly, yeah, he certainly got that personality would be like, Hey, I believe in you. Hey, let's go. Yeah. All right. Um, so I just, I, I think you got to see a little bit of that at Brandon. Like you just need to see some life. Uh, and, and I think trusting what's happening uh, around him is important. Even if again, the pass protection has not earned his trust, right. And, and the wide receivers have not earned their trust. But he hasn't earned the trust of those other guys either by, by just making some plays as a quarterback. Like the difference between him and Chris Reynolds last week was clear. Like Chris was making plays uh, to give Charlotte a chance to win that game. And it felt like, you know, if, if Illinois needed to rely on his quarterback last week, they weren't winning that game. The thing that I, when we've heard and we asked Brett about it on Saturday, on Monday, we asked Tony on Monday. Is this notion, I mean, all we can call it is a notion, right? We've not been to practice, that he's being more aggressive. His, his word, aggressive, with Brandon. Well, does that mean he's getting on him more? That's what it sounds like, I right? Saw, I, right. Saw, I saw that last week against Charlotte with Bielma. And yeah. I saw I saw it against, was it for um, the Maryland? Or, or no, it was the Purdue game. Uh, coming out of halftime, Bielma was all over him coming out of halftime. But it hasn't resulted in a benching, right? So I, clearly... What does that tell you about Art? Yeah, you said that in the last post game. I thought that was that was relevant. I, I think they like Art. I don't think they trust him, right? Um, it's just Brandon hasn't earned that trust either, in my opinion. So I, I don't know what that point is. You know, you got a bye week before Penn State. If Brandon doesn't get anything going, is it halftime? Is it after the game? Um, but it, it feels like this should be the last opportunity. Like I, I thought that maybe last week, but for this staff how much longer can you go with this without getting the football in the end zone via the pass? Like the Daniel Barker play, notwithstanding, like they need more consistency out of their quarterback to make plays. And I don't know what that breaking point is. Cause I thought we would have hit it already. Yeah, man. I, then the, the other side of that coin is, Oh boy, do you really want to send art into happy Valley for his first start since the Virginia game? I mean, I just not, Gonna have to score some points against Penn State. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think if you look narrative wise, like oh boy, that's a big thing for you know put art out there. But man, I, I Brandon is a go ahead. Yeah, can we, can we bring up what if Brandon does break through? <laughs> that's what I was gonna say, Brandon. And I don't see it happening the, to be honest. I I don't see it, ha- but like, what if he does have six first down throws? Right, maybe completes like twelve of twenty passes two touchdowns, doesn't turn it over, but has a bunch of first down throws and Illinois has a chance. I don't know if Illinois wins, but has a chance to win. Like you stick with him, right? Like yeah, obviously probably. you probably stick with him. Brandon, what we know, and I, I know it's hard for a lot of people to watch because he doesn't always show it on the field. But I can probably count on one or, you know, a couple of times he's shown it in the game. He's a competitive dude, man. Brandon is super, at some point I keep thinking, is he going to get so mad that Bielema is on him like this? I'd love gonna... to see that. Yeah. I'd lo- like, I agree with the, the last year, Nebraska, right? That game scoreboard, the whole operation, right? Dude, th- that was like this more of this dude, the Cal game, 
right? Like you, yeah. you saw yeah. some fire there, and his teammates talked about like how he might not emote it a lot, but but there's a competitive fire. I, I got to be frankly, Joe, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I agreed. I, I haven't seen it lately. Like, like that, that that's where like I, I would disagree where does he have okay, show me that. Like I, I think this team would love to see. I think these coaches would love to see I that. I think that's what Brett's trying to get out of him, right? Yeah, they're trying to tick him off. Like to where it's like we need we need that emotion right now. Like that's why I keep using the word lifeless with this offense. And I know we could be seen as hammering on Brandon Peters. Listen, he's a 24-year-old, six-year starting quarterback who's a Big Ten starting quarterback. You're going to get criticized. You're going to get picked apart like this, right? Um, and we haven't been able to talk to him to get his side of this thing. But, like, the offense has just been lifeless with him. And, and even if Art makes mistakes, you've seen some life and feel like you have a chance to score some points when he's in the game. I agree. And I, I would like to talk to him and understand where he's at it's but it's uh, to me it's very clear that brett wants that fire out of him and, and it's not like we're really reading a crystal ball here right i mean he talked about this through the spring tony the peterson camp. mentions it all the time like the whole nine he's yards. unlike and, any quarterback i've ever had and every quarterback i've had that's been successful is emotional has is a leader like and yeah. brandon is not that which is why to be honest with you it's, it's been surprising how long they've stuck with him because art is all of those things. Yes. Now, what art is not is as good as the quarterback is Brandon. Maybe. Right? I mean, it, <laughs> maybe. Right? I, I think if you look like, if you were to look at Madden trades, right, Brandon would have the the arm strength, the, you know, the whole operation. In how, how, how much is like, they keep mentioning the arm strength thing. I saw art, throw the, I saw art throw the ball pretty far. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, it wasn't always accurate, but he's been better on deep balls. Like he's been more accurate on yeah. deep balls. Uh, Art's big. Uh, Art isn't, I think Brandon's a better athlete, but is it that much of, of a, like that's where With what I, you I, I don't buy it. Like I, I don't buy the whole talent thing as much. I think Brandon's got a little bit more talent. Um, he's had a little bit more success maybe, but the last couple of years he certainly hasn't. And I think those leadership qualities matter. The staff seems to think they really matter. And I, I just think at some point, Brandon's got to produce more. Like Art produced more with the same supporting cast around him. So that's that's what I. So I, I just disagree with them a little bit on this. Like Brandon's certainly more talented. Like haven't seen on the field this year. Yeah, totally fair, right? I mean, maybe they think he's closer to breaking through. I I, I don't know. This I, is the I week to know. show that then against a, a defense, you need to do it right. Like. This has got to be the breaking point for all of this. It does. And here's the thing. Wisconsin, I mentioned, they are going to welcome you to throw the ball, right? Like, they're just going to encourage you to do it. And you got to do it. You've just got to do it for a game that really, I mean, look, this isn't like a turning point in the season, okay? Like, the season is what the season is. But if you can sneak this one out, if you're Illinois, we talked all last week about what happens if they lose to Charlotte, goodness gracious. What happens if they beat Wisconsin? If you can sneak this out, and it does suck you got Penn State coming off a bye. That's not, that's not the ideal one-two punch. But then there. you got winnable games. Like, Rutgers can't score. Very winnable <laughs> games ahead of you. Yeah. And very much a chance to regain some of this lost momentum. The Penn State game probably notwithstanding, right? Like Penn State and Iowa probably not winning, right? Yes. But then you got you, you look forward and you can see a Rutgers, a Northwestern, and a Minnesota team – 
that if you have the confidence, like, hey, we beat Wisconsin, I don't care if they're one and three. This is still Wisconsin. It always is going to be Wisconsin. Brett Bielma is a part of the reason they're always going to be Wisconsin. If you can do that, then you got a little swagger back, right? I mean, understanding what's probably going to happen in two weeks, where you have that whole bye week of, man, we've won two in a row, one of which was against Wisconsin. To do that, I think Brandon has to play well. In which case, now you've got a little, maybe your quarterback's feeling it a little bit more, right? Like, there's, I don't think there's a way they beat him without Brandon playing well, yeah, me, well, mediocre, above average, anything along those lines. I don't think he's got to throw it around for 300, right? But I think he's just got to make good, smart throws. Then now you got a little bit something to build on. And, and some of these, hey, we're closes, maybe you buy that a little more as a fan base. And, and I don't, you just get some excitement. I mean, you you just get some excitement, and I think it would be huge in recruiting if you could beat a team like this. And then for confidence and learning how to to win those close games. I do think there's something to that, like learning how to close out games. they got to figure out how to do that right now. Um, And I think the quarterback is a big reason for that. I will say this, like the defense had a couple opportunities to do that uh, and weren't able to. I think they could. Like, can they have a dominant performance where they hold Wisconsin to under 14 points or 15 or under, right? Like, it's not outside the realm of possibilities because I think Owen Carney's playing his best ball. I think the safeties are playing their best ball. Do you get Devin Witherspoon and Jake Hansen back? We don't know. Sounds like they're game time decisions. They probably know now. Um, Thursday they had a meeting with the doctors, and the doctors probably cleared them or not this week. Um, Seth Coleman being out certainly doesn't help, but I think Isaiah Gay has played well the last couple weeks. Um, Owen Carney, man. Yeah, he's playing extremely well. They're lining him up everywhere. Uh, four and a half sacks the last three weeks. And, and he's been consistently getting pressure most of the season. I think you're starting to see now Keith Randolph being healthy is huge for them up front. Johnny Newton is a little inconsistent, but you see the flashes out of him. Roderick Perry's playing pretty well. I think the front is, is playing well. Tariq Barnes is filled in well. That's why if they can get Jake Hansen back, I think it'd be so important, uh, especially against Jake Ferguson in this rushing attack. Because Wisconsin doesn't terrify you. But I didn't think they did last year going into this game. So the defense has to be good uh, for Illinois to have a chance just because of what Wisconsin's defense brings. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I had something I completely I, – I probably lean a little bit – this is just a, a guess towards Jake Hansen. I, I would lean a little more towards seeing him because he went through warrants. Like that's our body of work we have to evaluate here. And Devin Witherspoon came out in a bucket hat. We never saw him wear pads, right? And, and maybe that means nothing. Maybe Brett Bielma – is sitting in his office laughing hysterically at that somebody has the thought of that, that it matters. Well, that's what I've got to work with, and I, I assume that matters. So getting Jake back would, would be a big deal, right? I mean, he's playing pretty good football here. But, man, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know, Jeremy. We, we, we focus on the quarterback for a reason, right? Like, he has to be good. I have one. It, look, I, I was talking to somebody else about this earlier this week. I think, to me, this is the level of football – that you have to have one in the biggest way, right? Like in high school, you can put the best athlete in the school back there, and they're going to probably make most of these kids miss who are going to go on to not play football ever again in their life. In the NFL, I know there's some really crappy quarterbacks in the league, but you know where they were really good quarterbacks? College. Like You have to have a good one in college, period. Like you can't hide from that. And – Wisconsin is one of the few teams, despite last year's result, where it's not that big of a high of a bar to leap to have a better quarterback, right? Like Graham Mertz has been awful. He's arguably been worse than Brandon Peters. 
this year. So listen, I, I would take Graham Mertz tomorrow to have a better day, but you're not asking for a lot. And, and I'm saying just to be competitive in this game and have a chance to win like you did against Purdue and, and Maryland and, and see where the chips fall, right? See who executes a little bit more. But I, we know we know what the the blueprint is. We saw it two years ago. We saw Brandon Peters make just enough throws with an opportunistic defense, a solid rushing attack. That's the blueprint this year. And I, I feel confident the rushing attack can do enough. The defense can do enough to give you a chance. And nothing we've seen the last three weeks gives you confidence in the quarterback, and that's what has to change. Before I know we've been talking forever here, but I do want to ask you this because I don't think we're going to have time probably on Saturday to touch on this. And I know in your story with Josh Whitman, this was discussed and we've discussed it with Brett, but how much is there to say about being competitive and close in these, right? I I mean, I I think a good amount. I I, I do think that. I, I don't ask that to say, like, is this really a big deal? Because I think it is. But how big of a deal is it, right, to not... I mean, obviously, no one enjoys watching you get skunked 63 to nothing or watching Graham Mertz uh, literally probably tell them what he was going to do and do it. But I understand, like, the other side of that is, for fans, this stings like heck, dude. This stings. And every last thing is reasonably and understandably questioned. But I don't want to be, like, the elusive playing close guy. But there is something to because we just haven't seen that in Champagne for a while. No, I agree. I, I mean, I think if, if most people, if you told most Illini fans, like, Illinois is going to be within a touchdown. Like, if they said, at the end of the day, it's 24-21, Wisconsin win. That's a pretty good day, right? Like, I, for where you are in your program, yeah, it'd be disappointing if you lost a lead late or whatever right. it is. Like, But it's Wisconsin. It's And I know Wisconsin's weaker this year, but it's not Maryland. It's not Purdue, right? Like, those felt like, man. And Maryland, I – the defensive performance was so encouraging. Uh, it's just the offense uh, was so discouraging. Purdue's the same way, right? Like there were building blocks that you can build on uh, if you just fix maybe that that offense and the quarterback and wide receiver position. Uh, you're not that far away, but yeah, I, th- I think there are some moral victories to be had. Um, it'd just be a lot nicer for Brett Bielema to to get a a real victory uh, and to really have that kind of piece of evidence to his team to recruits, to the fans, to show that, hey, we are taking strides. And those those early setbacks, we we don't get there without this, right? Like this win was part of, you know, losing those games. We figured out like what we need to do. And and that's part of the growth process that's ugly, right? Is doing that. And Brett, Brad Underwood went through that. Yep. His first couple of years with such uh, heartbreaking losses. And eventually you're going to say that, right? Like eventually Brett wants to get this program where he can say, like Brad can say, like we needed to go through that Northwestern game in Evanston on the, you know, we, we need to go through those things. But if you can move up the timeline of which you say that, right? Like that's always because, better. Because you could be 3-0 and coming into this game in the Big Ten, right? Like you, you were so close to being 3-0 and coming and, into this game and, and thinking, oh my gosh, they could be 5-2. and two. That's the hard part to reckon with with all of this, right? Because – I, I was thinking about that yesterday is like in the big 10, right? Like the run it down the, the rough and tumble big 10. You were closer than you were against a conference USA and an ACC team. Like I know they had a chance to beat UTSA, but that was not really that. Didn't feel close as close as the score was right. Yeah, for, right. But, and, and then obviously Virginia was over before it started, literally before people woke up from their drunken slumber from the night before, like Virginia was over. But, like, is that not – that's a little weird to me. Like, you were – and I understand, like, the teams you've been close with are Purdue, are Maryland. Like, I, I get all that. 
but I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, a tough thing because you want, like, I think people, as much as they're upset, are still watching. Maybe they're not watching from Memorial Stadium, but they're watching every week, right? Whereas if you're getting blown out 63 nothing, yeah. you probably could find something else to do on your Saturday afternoon. But I think the other part of it is it's like, God, like it's right there. That's so frustrating. I, well, it's just six weeks, really interesting year. We can talk about it in the bye week, but what an interesting year it's been so far. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Joey Wagner. Um, we'll talk some uh, more hoops. We get to see a hoops practice on Saturday morning, 8.30 at State Farm Center. And, of course, we will recap the Illinois-Wisconsin game uh, Saturday night, uh, another long day at Memorial Stadium. Big recruiting weekend for both Illinois basketball and Illinois football. So check IlliniInquire.com for the latest there. As always, thank you for listening to the Illini Inquire podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, rate us, review us. That helps us out as well. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the October heat. Uh, hopefully my White Sox fans can enjoy a weekend with a win. That'd be nice. Get me to my Monday game. Uh, that I have tickets for at uh, what are we, Guaranteed Rate Field now, Joey. I got to remember what we're called. Um, but yes, everyone have a great well, weekend. Still the cell. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Sox Park is usually what we all call it. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.